This recording has been produced by Christchurch Jerusalem. For more information, visit us at cmj-israel.org. O Lord, though our iniquities testify against us, do it for your name's sake, for our backslidings are many. We have sinned against you. O the hope of Israel, his Savior in times of trouble. Why should you be like a stranger in the land, and like a traveler who turns aside to tarry for a night? Why should you be like a man, astonished, like a mighty one who cannot save? Yet you, O Lord, are in our midst, and we are called by your name. Do not leave us. Thus says the Lord to this people, thus they have loved to wander, they have not restrained their feet, therefore the Lord does not accept them. He will remember their iniquity now and punish their sins. Have you utterly rejected Judah? Has your soul loathed Zion? Why have you stricken us so that there is no healing for us? We looked for peace, but there was no good, and for the time of healing, and there was trouble. We acknowledge, O Lord, our wickedness and the iniquity of our fathers, for we have sinned against you. Do not abhor us for your name's sake. Do not disgrace the throne of your glory. Remember, do not break your covenant with us. Are there any among the idols of the nations that can cause rain? Or can the heavens give showers? Are you not he, O Lord, our God? Therefore we will wait for you, since you have made all these. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And reading is taken from 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 to 8 and then 16 to 18. Paul writes, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Verse 16. At my first defense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. May it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, so that the message might be preached fully through me, and that all the Gentiles might hear and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. And the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Eyes to hear the Holy Gospel written in the 18th chapter of St. Luke. Also, Jesus spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One, a Pharisee, the other, a tax collector. 
the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, Oh God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. This is the gospel of the Lord. Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for the gift of your word incarnate, Jesus, and of your word written in Holy Scripture. And as we seek to hear your voice in that word written, may you grant us the grace of the Holy Spirit that would uh, cleanse us from any blindness, arrogance, presumption. Grant us the grace to humble ourselves before you and before your word that we truly may hear and obey the word you desire to speak to us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. This uh, week, on November 1st, in uh, the Anglican Church calendar and in many of the Western Church calendars, is one of the seven great feast days appointed by the church uh, to be celebrated. Even if there's no congregation there, the church is, uh, is uh, commanded to celebrate it because its message is uh, worth uh, proclamation, worthy of proclamation. And, uh, but uh, the Sunday before and, and especially the Sunday after, uh, this is, we're in the Saints of the All Saints season. And we'll, we'll end next week, next Sunday, with what we call All Saints Sunday. But uh, if we could think of ourselves as amidst that proclamation of uh, remembering that um, that we are part, we don't belong to Jesus separately, uh, we belong to him together. We belong to him together. And uh, all those who belong to Jesus belong to one another, and whether we are uh, departed or whether we're alive right now, we are a part of what's called the communion of saints. The communion of saints. Saints being not people who are perfect, but people who belong to Jesus through his atonement, his blood, his cross, the power of his resurrection, and his Holy Spirit. We come before him solely and are his solely by his gift and his grace. And in the same way, as imperfect as we are and as in a journey as we are, uh, we belong to one another. And sometimes uh, that's uncomfortable. Sometimes we would rather not. Last Sunday, in the gospel reading that comes right before this, uh, the reading was about Jesus giving a parable that we would, as saints, as people who belong to him and one another, yes, we're going to heaven, and particularly, but particularly focused on how we live with him and one another as we walk this earth. He ends the parable uh, with, uh, that was given to show that we have to be a people who are persistent in prayer. 
not just saying words, but in persistence in our repentance and our, and our humbling ourselves to him and walking in trust and obedience with him. And, the, and, the, and he ends with the question after this teaching, and it's very, very sobering. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faithfulness on the earth? We believe in the communion of saints. We belong to him, and therefore we belong to one another. The Lord calls us to be persistent in prayer. And then he closes with that question, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith? Will he find persistent uh, uh, repentance, trust and obedience? Will he find that? in us and uh, in our witness uh, together. He goes on to give a parable today, which said, uh, well, if, uh, what he just told was the importance of being persistent in prayer. And why do we be persistent in our faithfulness towards him? Because of God's character towards us. He, is, he makes the covenant with us. He loves us with an everlasting love. He demonstrated that by stretching out his arms of love on the hard wood of the cross that we would come within his saving embrace. Uh, the Father uh, uh, you know, verified that by raising Jesus from the dead. He gives us his Holy Spirit. And so be persistent. Trust in my character, in my presence, in my everlasting love and faithfulness to you. But then he goes on today and saying, and he notices one danger as he's watching his church pray. He spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Basically as I see you praying, but the praying that's being done is at least playing church, or at worst, the halo that was once over our head is now slipping down and is looking like a noose. Or as uh, one of my uh, uh, favorite uh, uh, people in the mission field says, is what, says, when the church, when God's people are faithful, it's holy, it's effective, it's fruitful, it's life-giving, it's living water. But when things go bad, when religion goes bad, it goes very, very bad, and it's very destructive, and it's very harmful. So the Lord says, yes, yes, pray, but how we pray says something what we, what we trust about the character of God and His presence and His faithfulness, but it also says much of how, who we think we are. Now, what I want to do when we open up this, I want to go, uh, this, this passage, is to look at how this, the, well, let me move this to the side, excuse me, is to bring this, what's happening in this passage in the temple directly into the words that we say this day in this liturgy, and also into this season. Um, we have a, for the All Saints season, 
we had a gift given to the parish some years back. I know you can't, well, the people in podcast, they can't see this at all. The people in the back may not be able to see this, but in this part of the world, this is, it was shocking all over the world, but in this part of the world is very personal. This is, if you remember back some years ago when there was uh, 21 uh, men in orange jumpsuits uh, on a b- beautiful beach, on a beautiful day kneeling with men in black behind them, ISIS, uh, ready to take off the heads of each one. It's uh, very personal here, not only because this happened in the Middle East, but there are people right here in our neighborhood, within the old city, who knew some of these men personally, who helped disciple them when they were young boys, who, uh, who knew them and their families throughout their lives. But when we think about that question of, will the Lord find faithfulness, is uh, how do we produce saints How does the church, how do we as a community, how do we as families go and produce the character that when an extreme time comes, hopefully very few people will ever have to go and face this moment. But we will have to face the moment of our own deaths. But this was done publicly before the world and can be viewed over and over and over again now on social media, for better or for worse, with uh, such faithfulness, and lives that can live that are the fruit of a walk with Jesus by persistent prayer, but yet prayer that's done in humility. Now, that doesn't happen all at once. It's a, it's a lifetime journey, but that's the, uh, and so uh, uh, you might want to come up and look at this afterwards, but again, those one podcast. It's a, it's, a, it's a contemporary icon of, uh, of uh, figures in, in orange jumpsuits with heads at uh, a bent angle with men in black hooded behind them with knives ready to, uh, for their martyrdom. And Jesus is at the top, uh, uh, in ascended Jesus, uh, 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 with uh, arms of blessing over them and to receive them well done, good and faithful servants. It's interesting, in Scripture, whenever Jesus, or many times, when Jesus sees something which is alarming to him, or is like, this is, wow, this is big stuff, this is important stuff, this is critical to know, he doesn't say, let me go and teach for five chapters on it, he says, let me give you a short little picture because you're gonna forget what I say, or you won't always have the book to go back, but a little picture you can carry with you of how do we come faithfully before he who is coming to be our righteous judge? How do we live faithfully in prayer with that? And the picture he gives is in the temple, not just two-minute prayer, but in the temple. And I find that significant because What happens in the temple? Yes, it's the house of prayer for all people. And yes, people come up there to pray. But the temple is the place in the Hebrew scriptures of God's presence. And the way that we have, and and to give the blessing of forgiveness of sin. 
But yet with every sacrifice, what is, what is proclaimed in the giving of that sacrifice is there can be no remission of sin without the sacrifice of blood. And all of these sacrifices that uh, never really accomplished that are a reminder of what God himself is going to do one day. But here we are, I mean, here they are coming to pray, not just anywhere, but in that very place that exists to proclaim that atonement must be made for the sins of each of us and of all humanity separated from the God who loves us with an everlasting love, that he himself, on this mountain, it will be provided, it says uh, uh, in Genesis. Uh, when when uh, uh, God says, no, don't slay Abraham, don't slay your son Isaac. One day he will give his own son on this mountain. It will be, it will be uh, provided. God himself will provide the sacrifice. So how, if that is the whole place, and context of an environment where prayer is, is we can only come before the living God and respond to his call of love through, there is no, there is no remission of sin without the sacrifice of, of blood, of life. Then uh, uh, Jesus meant to say, boy, well not boy, but <laughs> he, he speaks this parable to any time that whether we don't know him or whether we're already saved, that if it slips into our consciousness, into our prayer life, if it slips into our character, which we're always on the journey. And I'll confess, you know, I'm not there yet. And, 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 and this is too much me. <laughs> and maybe you can identify with it too, where it's so easy to go and look around and say, how am I doing compared to the other person? Today, I would doubt if very many of us here are extortioners or adulterers or murderers or what some people call the honky-tonk sins, the big stuff. But yet, uh, Jesus said, oh, if you even have anger against your brother, you've murdered him. If you hold unforgiveness, I can't forgive you. If we're evil with the tongue, if we're slanderers, Oh, not an adulterer, but what if you look lustfully with somebody? What if you have thoughts in your heart? Basically, the, the Lord's uh, you know, trying to open it up and say, we all come before him as people in need of what he is offering, an atoning sacrifice. I remember on a plane flight once where the plane, the windows were, uh, all the windows were up and the plane took a tilt to the side and the sun came through the windows so strong that everyone in the plane gasped and some even screamed and even the stewardesses and the flight crew were like, ah! Because the uh, uh, 40,000 feet in the air, air with the unfiltered, without cloud sun just flooding at that angle through the cabin, it was so brilliant that people, not even with their eyes closed, it was penetrating their eyelids. And that's, and then we think about being before a holy God. And His holiness 
not only as a consuming fire, but the holiness and the sheer power of his love. I remember those first times when I really came across the love of God and began to look at what I thought I was as a nice person against something where the love of God is really pouring out in fellowship or in anointing and worship. And you weren't just knowing the holiness of God and the power of God, but the love of God pouring out. And I thought, wow, oh, woe is me. (laughs) Woe is me. I thought I was a pretty good person. I thought I was pretty loving. I thought I was pretty caring. But I have a long, long way to go yet. A long, long way to go. And so he speaks this parable to say, beware, beware, lest we think that we are righteous in ourselves, which puts us in a place of pride before God. We're cut off now from what God can offer. We're cut off. And then we see, how do I know I'm cut off from God? By how I'm cutting myself from all from others. You don't count. You don't count. You don't count. I don't like you. I don't like you. I look down on you. I despise, disdain, consider as nothing others are very, very attitudes that we carry as we move, as we move uh, through as individuals and as the church uh, uh, through the world can tell sometimes that uh, the Lord wants to continue his, his sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit within us. So there are these two men in the temple to pray, one praying apart from and alone to God. I'm, I'm going to take myself physically away from you, and I'm going to pray to God by myself. But as some have said, he starts a prayer glancing at God, and then every word thereafter is I, 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 me, 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 me. And the prayer is more of a congratulations of see what a good servant you have when I compare to this guy and to all the rest, and aren't you as happy about myself as I am? And so he goes home a happy guy because he's satisfied. And most, a lot of people, they said, that's, exa- you know, great. If I can come into God's presence and be affirmed without confession and redemption, I'll take it. If I can come into my, his presence and feel good for a while and enjoy church or enjoy whatever and then go home satisfied, great. But the other went home justified. A big difference between self-satisfied and justified. The other one said, he beat his breast with, you know, the the heart, the, the place that this is causing me a problem. I've got a I've got a problem. Look how look how I'm look how I'm behaving as a tax collector. The job was, as many of you know this, is the Rome says you gotta collect a hundred dollars this week. If you collect $100, it's all ours. If you collect over $100, it's yours. So by the very nature of the job was one of extortion. I've got to get more money out of you than I owe, so it's worth my effort to collect the taxes. And then because I'm working for the Roman government, I'm working as a traitor to my own people. So he's beating his breast saying, you know, who am I? What have I become? You know, in rebellion against God and rebellion against his own brothers and sisters. And so he has, he says, God be, he knows where to go, God be merciful to me, a sinner. Basically saying is, I, I confess that I stand before a God in holy 
and holy in his, in his, in his love. And I have no hope other than he can do something. Because the word merciful in there means be, this is a technical word, be propitious, make expiation, make atonement. In other words, be merciful is not just do, you know, have a nice feeling and let me in, sort of sneak me in. It's saying, God, make an atonement for me. Be propitious. Make an atonement for me that is impossible for me to make for myself. Do something. I'm without hope. I'm desperate. I'm bankrupt. And Jesus said, and it's interesting, Jesus claimed the authority to know which person went home in good standing with God forever. So he's claiming an authority there. And he said, I, I know God's verdict on that heart. The verdict on that heart is this man goes home now in a restored relationship with God forever. This man goes home with shalom, reconciled, Restore, redeem, forgiven with peace. Jesus gave this parable while he was approaching Jerusalem on his final journey to be the Lamb of God who would stretch out his arms of love on the, on the hardwood of the cross to make that atonement for sin. He was going to that, to that temple to be both sacrificial lamb the one, only, the, the only, the only once perfect, sufficient sacrifice, oblation and satisfaction, to use the words of the Book of Common Prayer and many of our liturgies, the one and only sacrifice once and for all uh, who could make atonement for that sin. He spoke with a tremendous amount of authority. The shadow of the cross, the context of the cross is over this entire teaching today. Now, this moment of Jesus looking on the human heart is captured or is preserved, it's, it's written, it's proclaimed in all of the liturgies within our Anglican church back to 1549 and with most liturgies of most churches, whether Protestant, Catholic, Orthodox, or whatever, almost all liturgies will contain something like this before we come to the table. And that's why this moment that happened then is very, very present in this moment right now. We will say before we come to the table, along with that uh, penitent um, uh, humbled heart, we are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under your table, but you are the same Lord whose nature is always to have mercy. Grant us therefore, gracious Lord, so to eat the flesh of your dear son Jesus, the Messiah, and to drink his blood, that we may evermore dwell in him and he in us. Amen. So we acknowledge I just want us to be able to, you know, what kind of 
What kind of prayer, what kind of worship, what kind of journey do we walk continually that allows us as our 21 martyrs were done to live faithfully in an extreme moment or at least to come to our points of our physical death and to hear the Lord's words, well done, good and faithful servant, is proclaimed in, uh, in every service of Holy Communion and is proclaimed today. We don't place our hands out empty to receive his body and his blood to say, oh, here's my scorecard of how of all the things that I've done and applaud myself for. And, uh, you know, thank you very much for your applause too. Or somehow that God owes us. Yes, God's pleased with it, but that somehow, God, you owe me. Here's the deal. I come forward, here's my hands, and now you owe me. No, we remember that we are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under his table, but his property His nature is always to have mercy. And therefore, we come always remembering that that we are His and and that uh, we belong to Him. We are not our own, but that we have been bought with a price. We are His. And we eat His flesh and drink His blood and evermore dwell in Him. It's all about Him. It's all about Him and what He has done in His cross. We come to take refuge in his blood, in his cross, in his finished work. And therefore, it says after that, we draw near with faith, or some of our liturgy say, we draw near with confidence. In the first person, we met conceit, pride against God and, and, uh, and, and uh, uh, arrogance towards one another. In the second person, we met confession and contrition, of how we're to come with humility, of agreeing with God with our situation and confessing that only He can provide the way of atonement. And then we come, we go home with a, with a person uh, and uh, with, with confidence that we receive the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, not only as forgiven sinners, but as, uh, as trusted disciples. And the parable, the, the, no, the story, there's an account that immediately follows us. Immediately after Jesus gives this parable, it said that people were bringing children to him. And uh, the disciples were saying, get the kids out of here. They're not important enough for Jesus. He has no time for this. And Jesus says, no. Let the children come. He took them in his arms and he blessed them and he held them up and he said, this is what I'm looking for. Yes, there's moments where we have that confession and contrition and we say I'm not worthy to come, but he doesn't really want us groveling all the time. He wants us to know that we need his atoning sacrifice and that he gives us, but then he wants us to rest in it as a child rests in the, in the love and care of, G, of its parents in the arms of Jesus. So I would invite us to go in, and to move uh, from the contrition and confession of this parable to say, well, what, what kind of character, what kind of fruit is he wanting us to grow at as individual uh, saints and as together as his body? People who are at home and confident in the, the, the holiness and the love of our Abba Father, as that child was relaxed and comfortable and confident in the very arms of God incarnate Jesus himself 
in the moment that follows this parable. I think that's all I want to say. I'm going to comment on some other things, but I, th I think that's enough for us. Let us pray. Oh, Lord, we are before you as a holy God, and we know that we are not. We've asked you to cleanse our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit that we could perfectly love you. And as individuals and as a body of your saints, as your church, your bride, forgiven and restored and cleansed, we would, we would worthily magnify your name. We heard your words of, of forgiveness and blessing in this lesson and in our liturgy to all who are truly repentant. And let your, we know our, our hearts are, are prone to stray, are prone to fall back into uh, self-satisfaction rather, uh, rather than really understanding and embracing your atonement and your justification. Lord, as we come forward uh, to, to pray and especially to your, alt, your table to receive you, grant us the grace of the Holy Spirit to, uh, to bring any, to convict us of our need for you, to bring those places that we hide from ourselves and try to hide from one another, to, to bring them with open hands to say, Lord, take us, cleanse us, feed us with yourself, feed us with yourself that you would continue that good work which you have begun within us. Lord, grow us up into maturity. Grow us away from any residue of playing at worship or playing at church or, or being trite or trivial with our walk with you that we could prepare without, without any shame or fear that we would rejoice to behold your appearing as the righteous judge. Prepare us to live faithfully, whether it's to meet the moment of a natural physical death or of extreme situation of, uh, of uh, standing for you before a watching world. Lord, strengthen us as your body, your people, you, uh, the communion of saints. In your name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you've been blessed by this teaching, let us know by leaving a comment on our Facebook page, on SoundCloud, or by leaving a review in Apple Podcasts. You can offer practical support by giving a donation at ChristChurchJerusalem.org. Thank you, and blessings from the City of the King.